0: this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn radio
1: best dressed man in sports talk radio right here
2: i'll tell you what you are a big believer in the vest you really are love the and vest i give you credit not many people can pull that off i'm still not sure you can but you're giving fair. it a shot
1: fair assessment fair yeah. assessment shockingly i flew in here with plenty of what i like to call radio outfits a little bit more casual, a little bit more comfortable, Mm. and I was looking forward to wearing one of those today and then looked at my schedule and realized I was going to be doing quite a bit of TV before and after, and I thought, damn it, I still need to put on the suit. So I put on the suit bright and early. I'm going to be in the damn suit all day long. Mm. But it looks good. Best Dressed Man in Radio. Eat your heart out, Evan Cohen.
2: I tell you what, you do look good. You do look good. And Thank you. If you're wearing a radio outfit, I would assume that means no pants. But, hey, listen, you do you, whatever it Certainly is. Certainly
1: means no shoes and socks. This is the <laughs> first time I have worn shoes and socks doing a radio show in quite some time.
2: Joseph, we have to get to Michigan and their response yesterday to begin today's show at 888-ESPN, 729 I am blown away that the Michigan response that they officially sent to the Big Ten yesterday after the Big Ten's notice of, hey, something could be coming down the pike here, what do you have to say for yourselves is basically, listen, this is going on everywhere, and it's a lot more prevalent than anybody is willing to admit, so if you want to go down this road, be careful. Be careful what you're going to do because we're going to come after you legally and maybe we're going to make this a whole lot uglier. If you're Michigan at this point, I am a little bit surprised that they are taking this tact. But then again, I'm not, Joe, because it's a winning program. when it comes to winning, it comes to money. Everybody is always going to back up their guy. The second Jim Harbaugh starts losing... He is out the door, as he almost was a couple of years ago. I
1: love this story. I love the fact that every day we're not only talking about this story, but we have a new development with this story. I love everything about this. I love the fact that Michigan couldn't even be bothered to lie to us by denying it. They didn't even (laughs) bother with the denial. Like, think about that for a second as you're driving around consuming what we're talking about right now. The steroid scandal, deflate gate. Spygate, go through anything we've ever dealt with. I mean, F1 with the little issues here and there. All these things that have surfaced in sports. Patrick Reed in golf. Everybody generally has some sort of excuse, right? They have some sort of denial. They'll start with some sort of lie. I didn't do it or I didn't know. Michigan's not even bothering with that. Michigan is skipping straight past the, I was unaware that that, was a banned substance or, or, or any of it. And they're right to the, yeah, but everyone else is doing it too. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You come at us, we're bringing everybody down. I, I this, is, this is so unique to college football. It's so beautiful to me. And I feel that we can make light of it. And I can have fun with this because yeah. this isn't some egregious crime in which something horrible has happened to another human being. These guys are stealing science from each other. This is wonderful content. Wonderful. Look it into my thing.
2: veins. Here's the thing. The whole honor amongst thieves thing, right? (laughs) That's what I kind of love about this the most. And I had, uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of different people around the conference the last couple of days. And this is the general thought that I got from it. Let's say the speed limit's 55 miles an hour. Okay. There are a lot of people who are going 70, right? Yeah. You know, and, and they're doing it safely, but they're going 70. And for the most part... You don't really get in a lot of trouble for that. You might get pulled over, but you don't really, you're you're not going to jail for 70. You're
1: getting right? the ticket, though. You're not getting the warning. You are getting the you're ticket. You're probably getting the ticket. You're getting the ticket. But
2: then again, you may not. Like there might be a certain number where you're above the speed limit where nobody's going to pull you over. Then there's the guy going on 110. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, when he gets pulled over, I don't know that the best course of action is pointing back at everybody going 70 and saying, they were all doing it too. They were all speeding too. Why aren't you pulling them over? State police well, not
1: going to want to hear that.
2: Yeah, they're not rubbing it in our face. Yeah, And and that is the general feeling I get from people around the conference with what's going on right now with Michigan. Now, I, I am uh, interested in hearing this. It really caught my attention this morning from Heather Dinich. At the very tail end of Get Up, Heather does not just throw stuff out there. And she said this... Uh, ESPN senior college football writer
3: greeny I've learned that people should not assume that Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended though that's certainly a consideration the Big Ten has run a gamut of possibilities starting with a possible indefinite suspension a two-year suspension all the way to something as simple as a public reprimand the other thing that you could possibly see is a fine of a million dollars or more which would probably be rubber stamps so Stay tuned.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, How about the old scarlet letter? Can we get that in there as well?
2: Make him wear that around. Well, I, we don't have to go scarlet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got the helmet here right behind me. We don't necessarily have to do
1: that. Some things are bigger than you and Rutgers. <laughs> Some things are just bigger than you and Rutgers. Not many. Not um, few. Few but, if any.
2: But having that physically, at least, having that be the case, I don't know if the Big Ten's trying to throw everybody off the scent or if they literally are... Uh, Absolutely considering everything. I'm really interested, Joe. Does Tony Petiti kind of take that warning back and say, oh, yeah, I'm new. You want to see what I'm about? Here it comes. Like, that would be, uh, that would really blow the doors off of this thing. If they just said, you know what, screw it. You take a seat. We'll let you know when you're coming back.
1: Okay, so going back to your analogy with the speeding tickets, 55 is the limit. Someone's going 70. In this instance, it's the other Big Ten teams that Michigan's accusing, not Michigan. And then Michigan's going 110. Well, the 110, you get penalized big time, right? You might have to go to driving school. License might get revoked, whatever it is. But the guys going 70 are getting tickets. You're 15 over. So if you are going to come down and you are going to hand a punishment down to Michigan, and this is where Michigan has an interesting point, it's not so much the whataboutism that we've talked about. It's the if you're going to hand us a penalty, let's call it two years, you better be handing out a year or six months to everybody else. We do not want to take the fall for this, and then anybody else who was doing something walks away scot-free. I understand there's, there's levels to this. Michigan apparently is, like we've said, they've been banging on the trash cans. They have gone too far. They're the ones that are in the spotlight. The hammer's going to fall on them. But But the other teams are going to get hit, too. And I think the last thing the Big Ten wants is nine of its member institutions getting drilled with infractions that they have to investigate and dole out and create that sort of mess in the grand landscape of college football. See,
2: again, I disagree on one thing here, though. There is no rule that says you cannot steal signs. It's just a manner in which you can steal them. Like, you can break down what somebody's doing based on what you see on the sideline. You just can't go in, tape it directly, like we we saw, by the way, in Spygate with the Patriots that cost them, what, a first-round pick plus. Um, You can't show up and do it in person either. So it's a kind of a gray area. If that's not specifically said that you can't
1: do it, then it gets dicey. So if you're Michigan, but the sportsmanship thing that they're talking about right now—the two games, yeah—that what's the sign ceiling there? Does that violate the sportsmanship clause? Again,
2: the sportsmanship clause would be above what's going on. Uh, again, would somebody get thrown out of a game for stealing a sign from second base and relaying it to the hitter?
1: That's no. a good question. I don't know. Is no, the they no? wouldn't. They wouldn't. If they get caught doing it, though.
2: Again, baseball, like uh, amongst yeah. baseball people. There's no specific rule that says that you can't do that. Sure, And it might annoy some people, but it's, hey, change your signs. You know, it's not. But when you go and you take a bat to the garbage can, when you are recording it and watching video back in the tunnel. A bridge too far. Exactly. And that's where I think a lot of people feel like Michigan has gone here. And I shouldn't even say Michigan because, Joe, I don't think that's fair to their university at all. I think this is one guy. This is one guy who puts it on everybody beneath him to do everything that he wants. Again, I I said this yesterday, but it bears repeating. It's not a democracy in college athletics, especially in football. The head coach is a monarch or sometimes a dictator. And in this case, I kind of think, you know, when things get bad, who are they going to come after? El Presidente. <laughs> I think that's what they might you're do. You're right,
1: but it is it is in sickness and in health, right? If Harbaugh wins a national oh, ch- championship. No, it's not.
2: Not in college. You know that. If Harbaugh wins a national 50% championship. 50% of a marriage is in divorce, The school's
1: Joe. getting the money. The fans are running around in the T-shirts. They're all going to celebrate the wins, so you're all going to take the losses. This is how I, it works.
2: I understand that, but we both know that if they were being accused of this right now, and let's say they had two losses this season, Michigan would be thinking about how to get rid of him and separate themselves from him. Right now they're not doing that. If if it gets uglier, then maybe they will start to separate themselves from him. Because there is there is a reputation you want to make sure you uphold to a degree But it's certainly never going to supersede the money.
1: The word's illusion, not reputation. There's an illusion you want to uphold. You want to make it look like you really care. Well, you don't care as much when you're winning, right? It's the the old P-graph. It's (laughs) problems versus production, right? The more you produce, the higher the level of problem you can bring to the table. The less you produce, the easier it is to rid you.
2: It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius 6M Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your way to be a part of the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pep, on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-729-3776. Joe, ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We are just getting started. Man, we have got a jam-packed show for you today. And if you think tonight's Thursday night football game is an absolute dud, you could not be more wrong. I feel like Al Michaels <laughs> reading a promo for Bears and Panthers. We are going to enjoy watching this game. Yes, but we are going to tell you why every NFL team will be watching tonight and why oh, yeah. you should be, too. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
0: Marlon versus Joe, pizza money alert.
1: Pizza pizza. Come on, make your free throws, Denver, and we go four and one last night. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. Three uh. and two last night, up one point four units. Overall, 68, 69 and 1, down 9.08 units. Getting crushed, but at least that was a little bit of a way of digging out of the hole as we turn our attention to Thursday Night Football. Two bets tonight. Let's start with Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard going over 14 and a half receiving yards. This is a cheap price because he's only gone over this total in two of his eight games this season. But he's off a game in which he had a season high six targets, which is good news. And nobody in the business gives up more receiving yards to opposing running backs than the Chicago Bears. They've given up 578 receiving yards. That's 152 yards more than the next worst team, which is the Chargers. Chuba Hubbard, over 14 and a half receiving yards. In addition, D.J. Moore over 52.5 receiving yards. Cheap price because of at quarterback over fields, but I love the situation. He's playing his former team. You know he's going to want to show out against them tonight when they traded him to Chicago, and Carolina is down. Brian Burns is a pass rusher, as well as C.J. Henderson, one of their top cornerbacks. They are 24th in the NFL in opponent quarterback rating. First two pizza bunnies of the night, Chuba Hubbard over 14.5 receiving yards. D.J. Moore over 52.5 receiving yards. Love it. Love it. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio,
2: Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, Matt Eberflus. Dear God. Ebs, Stop putting him in front of the microphone. Here he is. Yesterday, talking about the Bears' quarterback situation.
4: He's getting better, though. Accuracy's improving. He's
2: throwing it better, and you know he's starting to do more and more and more. So uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. And right now we're listing him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. If
0: he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful versus
2: out? Yeah, just to see. We got to give him one more day. Give him one more day. But he's uh, he's working hard,
4: and uh, it's getting better every day. So we'll see where it goes. He's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing. Wait,
2: what? Wait, we'll list him as doubtful. We're not sure we're going to give him another day. He's not playing, but we're going to give him another day. But he's doubtful, but we're not playing him.
1: That, by the way, that doesn't seem hard. Like there are things that we sit here and criticize like, oh, man, Bryce Young's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker. And we can sit here and say that. And then it's like, yeah, you know, the guy's a pro quarterback behind a bad offensive line. What do you two idiots know? And we'll sit there and we'll say, yeah, you're right. What do we know about that? I know plenty about this. This is the spoken word business. It's just a simple message. Is he playing? Is he not? Uh, he's out. Okay, he's out. Well, why is he listed doubtful? Uh, we just have to see what happens. But is he playing? No, he's not playing. Like, like right there. Right there. That that encompasses everything that is wrong with your organization right there. You can't even take the most basic, simple of messages and convey it in a way that people understand what you're talking about. Can we play this again? Yeah. Think about this. This is the head coach of the Chicago Bears. If you are a Chicago fan, God bless you, because there's so much it takes to win in the NFL, and this is the head coach just trying to tell you whether or not the quarterback is capable of playing tonight. Go ahead. He's getting better, though is improving. He's throwing it better, and you know he's starting to do more and more and more. So
2: uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And right now, we're listing him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. If
0: he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful versus
4: out? Yeah, just to see. We got to give him one more day. Give him one more day. But he's uh, he's working hard, and uh, it's getting better every day. So we'll see where it goes. He's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what do you need the extra day? What are you giving him the extra day for? The extra day
2: for what? I, you know. What else is funny, a little subtle thing that, that we would get and every of our listeners would get because they know her so well, I could just see Courtney Cronin's head exploding in the middle of listening to the answer because she's asking in it. And, and like, Courtney's like, what? what? I, I could absolutely
1: see that happening. Courtney's like, can I please get a franchise... That isn't a disaster. I went from Minnesota and their one-score games to this. Can you just send me to? And she's probably not even asking for Kansas City. She'd probably just like to go to Pittsburgh. Right? And she's Pittsburgh wins a bunch of games. <laughs> I know. She's probably like, oh, God. God bless her.
2: I, I tell you what. I feel for her at times with this. And it is mind-boggling. But it does lead to the questions around the future. Joe, you have talked about this quite a bit when it comes to Kyler Murray and all the guarantees that kick in if Kyler Murray gets hurt again for the Arizona Cardinals, who we think are going to be moving on from him anyway. So why would you want him to get hurt and have those guarantees kick in? Similarly with Justin Fields, why would you want him to get hurt when clearly – You're going to have two top draft picks, either the first and second or the second and third, something along those lines. You're going to have an opportunity to draft one of the top quarterbacks coming up. Why do you want Justin Fields in there to get hurt potentially and take away any trade leverage that you would have? Joe, if I'm one of the teams that is sitting right now anywhere between like 7 and 13, I'm in a very tough spot if I need a quarterback, right? I'm thinking about if I'm one of those teams, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, the Washington Commanders, the, 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 the Raiders, if I'm not going to be able to get all the way up to take one of those top quarterbacks, I got to tell you, I'm thinking about a second-round pick plus for Justin Fields because I think there's still a lot there. And I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I think he's got a lot of talent, and I don't think it's been realized yet.
1: Man. Okay, so let's start with this. Do we think a second round plus gets it done? That's what you're willing to part with, and if Chicago says yes, then you're making that deal.
2: Yeah. I mean, if it's like a second and a third, or let's say it's a second this year and a – third next year something i don't know okay. i don't know exactly i, see. I just, do i have you know. to give up a one to get him can i give up a third round pick this year and a first round pick next year i might even think about that it's that's, a lot that's a lot it's a lot but i here's my point i still think there is more than enough left there with this guy that has not been ironed out to determine If he's not the guy, I think there's too much talent there to ignore. If the bears are moving on and I'm a team that is not in an advantageous position to draft a quarterback right now, I am absolutely going and doing something like that.
1: There are things we know about Justin Fields and things we don't know. What we know for sure is that he's a great athlete. He is a great athlete. What we're unsure of is whether or not he's a good quarterback. That's the big question. We know he can make athletic plays. We know he's a great athlete. Is he a good quarterback? I'm going to read a bunch of stuff off here. It's not all on him. I want to make that very clear. I think the Bears are a dysfunctional organization. I think they've done a terrible job of of building around him and giving him a chance to succeed. But here's what you're getting with Fields. Number one, you got injury concerns. He missed four games his first year. He missed two games last year. When he doesn't play tonight, he'll have missed four of 10 games this year. Justin Fields has missed, after tonight, 10 of a possible 42 games during his career. That's 24%. A quarter of his games he has not played. That's an issue right there. Issue number one. Issue number two. What have we seen in the 33 games he's played during his career? 60% completion percentage. That's alarming. 35 touchdowns to 27 INTs. That's alarming. 3.4 sacks per game he averages. Extremely alarming. And over all those 33 games he appeared in, the Bears are 7-26. and 26. And oh, by the way, He's going to be going in the year four next year. Like, when you trade for him, you're going to have to get ready to start preparing a new contract. I'm not saying it's going to be $200 million, but you're you're not going to have him on the rookie deal. You might take one year on the trade, but are you going to trade him? Are you going to trade a second and a third to bring this guy in for one year? You don't want to waste those picks. I would rather, given the uncertainty around Fields, his ability to stay healthy, his ability to produce, his ability to process information, I'd rather use a second-round pick on a guy like Michael Penix. I'd rather take the risk with a rookie and try to develop than go with this because he was a high draft pick because the Bears were desperate. If the Bears aren't desperate and trade up, how far does he fall? Well, Justin Fields would have been a top 10 pick either
2: way. Would like he? I, I absolutely where was was he picked at 10th was he picked at
1: ninth where he was, was he right near there right uh, there that's a great I, question
2: i would say i'd put it this way he would have been a top 12 pick he was actually
1: one. 11th overall so the right. two idiots arguing over nothing here
2: well there you go all right two then i'll put it i put it a rotten nut 12 to 14 i think the talent was <laughs> listen it was all talked about at that point i i think he still would have been there but for me I think there's too much talent there. I've seen him make too many throws. Yes, all the points you bring up are valid, but I do have to factor in what's with him there. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're going to continue this conversation on Justin Fields and figure out how he would potentially match up versus the quarterbacks who are going to be available in this draft. Oh, oh, you know what that means. Mel Kuyper Jr. Pumpkin pie. That's right. Every day of his life, the man's amazing. He sets an example for us all to live by.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
4: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
5: Snap back to Fields, Fields looking, now throwing,
4: got open man, D.J. Moore, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown Bears, toasted the secondary on a 20 yard strike, his third touchdown
5: pass from Justin Fields, the Maryland Terrapin.
2: He is the great Mel Kiper. Jr. ESPN NFL Draft analyst, co-host of course of Darian Mel on ESPN Radio every Saturday. That was courtesy of ESPN One Thousand in Chicago. Mel, Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh. It is great
5: to talk to you. How are you? Um, better than I've ever been. That I'm talking to you guys, so uh, couldn't, couldn't be a better Thursday than this. Mel, I'm
1: trying to get you the best prices. I'm going to do you the same favor you did for me.
5: I always get you the best <laughs> prices as long as you get me a pipe pumpkin pie winner like you did with Alabama on Saturday, Joe. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: Yes, sir. Mel, we'll do it again Saturday morning. But for now, we got to focus on some other things. Carlin, sorry yep. for interrupting. <laughs> All right, Mel. Let's just start here. We were just having a conversation about the
2: Bears situation, and you know they're going to have two top four picks in this draft at worst. If they are moving on from Justin Fields, we know some of the names that are going to be there, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Here's what we want to know to start. If you're looking at Justin Fields, where would he slot in at this point among that group of quarterbacks? If you're a team that, let's say, is sitting back anywhere between like 8 and 13 – and you think you know what maybe we'll take a shot there instead of trying to pay a trade up and get a lot
5: well, for real, I don't think he slots in really anywhere, uh, Chris and Joe. I think what you have to do is go back to your original ranking and your original scouting report on Justin Fields when he came into the NFL, base everything moving forward off of that, adjust it to, for what you've seen so far, and not a great situation in Chicago with a supporting cast around him. Then you look at the guys right now, still to be determined, will be the final ranking of these quarterbacks. Shador Sanders, by the way, from Colorado, belongs right in there with that top group. And now we don't know who's going to come out. Which guys will stay with the NIL deals that some of these guys are getting? They may opt to stay. So I think there's still a lot of information still to really be figured out here. But if you say for Justin Fields, if you trust your reports from your scouts, your personnel people, remember when Brett Favre was a second-round pick? They had Chris Miller in Atlanta. Ron Wolf stepped up and said, hey, bring him to Green Bay. And they traded him. They stuck with Chris Miller in Atlanta. They traded Brett Favre. How'd that work out? So you have to be, <laughs> you have to be really, you have to be really confident, guys, in your position and your opinions, strong conviction on that. Believe in what you saw. Believe that maybe the situation hasn't allowed him to develop. You talk about developing quarterbacks. Throw that out the window. We do not. The NFL does not develop quarterbacks anymore. They chew them up and they spit them out. By the time they're 25, goodbye, so you better show early, or if you don't, I remember the days when John Elway came into the NFL and Troy Aikman, even Peyton Manning, the struggles they had. Can you imagine if we were doing this every day, 24 hours a day, how they would be destroyed by what we were seeing? So, again, mentally, are you strong enough to deal with all this negativity and hate? That's the big thing that the rookie quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks have to deal with. They get it all day, every day. How does that impact them, their teammates, the locker room? That's something that years ago you didn't have to deal with. You have to deal with it now, though.
1: All right. So in that vein, let's talk about Caleb Williams from USC came into this season in the eyes of many as the number one overall pick has had a great season. But you talk about that negativity. USC's got three losses after one of them. He goes to hug his mom. People start going nuts trying to use that against him in some regard. What's the truth here? What have we seen from Caleb Williams? Is he still the best prospect coming out this year?
5: I think he is. I think Marvin Harrison. You could argue Joe and Chris is the best player at his position based on what we've seen. That Calvin Johnson type skill set and ability. Calvin's obviously number one by miles, but you know from everybody else. But if you're in that second spot, you could argue Marvin Harrison Jr. is, and his father was a great player as well. So you think about where we are right now with Caleb Williams. The Notre Dame game was the bump in the road. There was no excuse for what we saw there, but we saw it. It wasn't impressive. It was a bad game for Caleb. He didn't look like a number one pick overall. It didn't look like a first rounder in that game, but you throw that out, right? Give everybody a mulligan. A Drake May against Virginia looked like anything but the second overall pick in the draft. So you kind of throw that out. But these kids were what we've seen overall look like the real deal. They're certainly going to go 1-2. Uh, Marvin Harrison on ability could go 1, but in this draft he's probably going to go 3. So uh, you know, you look at Chicago to get a quarterback in Marvin. Then as you guys were talking, trade Justin Fields. Or keep Justin Fields for a year. Daniel Jones with the Giants. Keep him for a year. We don't know how when he's going to be back from the injury but there's different scenarios that could play out there. Like when Alex Smith was there for a year, they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Now, I always bring up one thing, guys, to, to keep this in mind when you say how ineffective or clueless everybody is in evaluating quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is only a Kansas City Chief because they were not able to work out a trade, which they tried to do the previous year, to get Paxton Lynch. Had Kansas City made that move and gotten Paxton Lynch instead of Denver, they wouldn't have drafted just uh, drafted Patrick Mahomes. And that same year, because they didn't get the, court, the trade done, they traded out of the first round into the second and drafted Chris Jones. So had that deal been made, they wouldn't have had Chris Jones, great defensive lineman, and Patrick Mahomes. So, again, everybody's going to make big mistakes if they – have a pick they didn't make that trade it was the best trade that was never made was that <laughs> deal okay oh my god the best trade that was never made was kansas city getting paxton lynch and a deal denver got him and saw what happened they got jones they got mahomes now you think about where we are with the evaluation process of quarterbacks you know we're still you, you just keep like ernie Corsi. Former great GM in the NFL, right? Drafted Burt Jones with John Elway, Eli Manning, Bernie Kosar. Did all those great things Ernie did. One of the best evaluators of quarterbacks, Ernie Acorsi. He said, hey, you got to keep trying. In the league right now, you miss on a guy, you know it, move on. And let's bring another guy in. Because if you if you don't have the great quarterback in this league right now, you're spinning your wheels. Uh, so, Mel, with all of that, with everything you're saying there,
2: and it's Mel Kiper Jr., of course, how uh, – it's all about the contracts now and the way they're structured because you're back then you could you had to let those guys develop because you had so much invested in them what's fair what's fair to try to figure out what you have if you're the carolina panthers what's fair to try to figure out
5: what you have in bryce young Well, let's just go to the reality of it. These kids are drafted. They come in. They are adjusting from college to the NFL, which is incredibly different. Just the verbiage, the play calling, getting in that huddle, communicating the play. I mean, you have to really have a high intelligence level to be able to just deal with that this quickly as a rookie quarterback. You think about, just go to Will Levis. Will Levis didn't even play in two preseason games. He wasn't even active for regular season games. Then he's thrown as a starting quarterback. He doesn't have great talent around him, phenomenal talent. he at got Derrick Henry and, and Hopkins, okay? But look at the offensive line. Look at what some of these quarterbacks are dealing with, with Bryce Young, what's he dealing with in Carolina. C.J. Stroud, everything's kind of flowing right for them. Look who kicked that field goal You know, the tie game. Think about what happened late with Tank Dell, the rookie. Things kind of are falling right. But in that game, Carolina and Houston, who was the better quarterback if you watched that one game? In that one game, Bryce Young played well. Outplayed C.J. Stroud. Over the long haul this year, Stroud's been the better quarterback. Uh, We'll see what Levis can do. We'll see what the others can do. Aiden O'Connell with Las Vegas. But the bottom line is, guys, we're not developing quarterbacks because as soon as we get a bump in the road, we're ready to, to bail. And the talent around them may go awry. Injuries may deplete a certain group, and they're out there running for their life. They're playing hurt. We don't allow for development. Because it's too much pressure coming from the media, the fans, and just that hate, that negativity, forces your hand before it really should. In a lot of cases, guys, I'll, I'll bring up all the quarterbacks from a few years ago. Where's Mac Jones right now? Get him out of here. Where, where's do we? Any, does anybody know where Trey Lance is? Does anybody know where Josh Rosen is right now? Okay, with Justin Fields ready to move. On. Look at all these quarterbacks who come into the league, and and Josh Rosen was the most NFL-ready quarterback. Everybody said when he came out of UCLA. More NFL-ready than Josh Allen. How'd that work out? Never ask and never say, never, guys, ever ask anybody who's the most NFL-ready quarterback coming out of college. That is a joke of a question. Never ask it.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com
0: carlin versus joe on espn radio
2: I'm not second-guessing it or anything here. I liked Stroud from the beginning. I'll just pat myself on the back and tell you that I thought he was the better player.
1: Was really hoping we could get that in there. That was that was you know, three and a half hours of radio today. It was important to get that in there that you had Stroud over Young. Well, I did. <laughs> I just want to make sure you know. That's all.
2: It's a simple reminder. It's a simple reminder and statement of fact that I like C.J. Stroud above Bryce Young the whole time. But that's just me. That's just me. It's Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Mel Kuyper Jr. is with us, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Mel, if you could see the look of disgust on Joe Fortenbaugh's face <laughs> as we played that coming back, talking about Stroud. Mel, let, no, Mel, no, what, no.
1: what are the odds? What are the odds uh, that he only made one prediction for the draft and it was that one? Because well, I haven't you, heard about any other predictions. I'll
5: tell you what, I give it, Chris. You got a lot of guts to do that. I would never do that. I'd never take victory laps this early. Oh, absolutely. I, you are all set to take that victory lap, and I yeah. get it. That, that, that's something I would never do. I wait two, three years before I'll ever start. Even with Josh Allen, I waited a while. Uh, you know, Jimmy Clausen, he got after me right away on that. That, that <laughs> one didn't work out too good. But I, I'm waiting it out, guys, as long as I can. But, but Chris, I, I congratulate you on, on winning And Joe versus – uh, Chris, who's won so far the majority of these you know, these Carlin versus Joe deals?
1: Got to be Carlin, right? I mean, he called Stroud over Young, and it really only took five minutes for the verdict to come in on that all right, one. All right, all so right. that's Listen. over. Mel, you might as well move the Panthers to London okay. and put the Texans in the Super Bowl. Get that Hall of Fame speech ready. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all I can do, all I can do, is go on the information that I have so far, and the right. information well, I have so far would suggest. Dear God, I'm a hundred percent right on this. Hey,
5: hey, since you're, you guys are into verses, right? How about when Young versus Stroud on that same field a few weeks ago? <laughs> wow. Well, this I is we forgot about that game. Forgot about that game. Who won that game? By the way, was that Carolina's only win of the head year? Head-to-head.
2: And I, head matters. You, I need to go back and look. I, it's all <laughs> pops and buzzes from that here. It wasn't Mel. a preseason like, game, was it? Okay. Yeah,
1: that was legit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they YouTube put it in the four box, but it was on. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, let's get to that point, though. Overall,
2: Stroud versus Young at this point. When you look at the two, why is it that Stroud has had this success versus what Young has gone through?
5: Well, I think infrastructure has helped. And We said both had really good infrastructures around them in terms of coaching and the way they were developing the talent bases. Carolina's kind of went awry a little bit. Look at the O-line, what's happened there for Bryce, who's what, 5'10", 185, 190 during the season, uh, and he's held up, at least physically. Uh, but you look at the pounding, and, and the fact of the matter is, supporting cast matters for a quarterback big time. You can't just do it out there without getting some help. And I think when you look at where we are right now these quarterbacks and the evaluations give it time to play out there's no rush to judgment because there's I always say they're snowflakes they're all different every snowflake is different right every quarterback situation in the NFL is different They, they different you know team organization coaching players scenarios that occur whether you get on a nice role, you don't some guys early on and I go back to Dan Marino rookie year People are saying, how did he go at the end of the first and John Elway go number one? John Elway went to five Super Bowls, won two. Dan Marino went to one early, lost, never got back to one. Dan Marino was a great quarterback. John Elway was a great quarterback, right? But who went to five? Who went to one? So at the end of the day, let's not always think that we know this early who is going to be the best and who that exclamation point is better than the other guy because sometimes two, three years down the road, that can be different. Now, I'm not saying it will be different, but it can be different.
1: Looking back on the trade in which Carolina gave up a bunch of assets to go up to number one to get Bryce Young, Chicago slides back, they draft an offensive lineman, they stick with Justin Fields. If we start projecting out into the future of who wins this trade, who do you think's feeling better about it right now?
5: Well, I think when you look at it right now, we'll have to wait and see on all this how the picks play out. you got to make these picks count, and you've got to see what happens in terms of the top of the board with, with the way we are right now. Chicago from Carolina, when you talk about now what we have where Carolina ends up with Bryce Young. Chicago said, okay, we're going to make that deal because we have the quarterback. Okay, We have a quarterback that some thought could be great this year, and everybody was expecting a lot of progress from him. Things have contributed to Justin Fields falling back a bit. But where you're sitting right now, you can get – A Caleb Williams, possibly, if it works out where Chicago's picking one-two. You get Caleb and Marvin Harrison, then you move on from Justin Fields. Whether that's the right move or not, we'll see. I think Justin Fields has a lot of ability. You guys were touching on it. Seeing the field, being a little late. Late's never great. Okay, late is never great. And with a quarterback, if you just that split second that Justin will wait, even at Ohio State, he did it. So just just letting it rip earlier is something once he got that down, if he keeps working on that, he can be a really good quarter. He showed signs of that last year. Uh, So again, I think Justin feels the predicament they're in there is that, exactly that. They are staring Caleb Williams or Drake May right in the face, and they're saying, okay, we haven't seen enough progress. And they're not going to excuse it away as to why the progress hasn't occurred. And they may move on from Justin Fields. And maybe that's the right decision. We'll see down the road. But Caleb Williams and Drake May are sitting there. And Arizona has a decision to make. Is it Kyler Murray we're moving forward with? Or are we going to draft Caleb Williams? The Giants obviously would draft a quarterback and cut ties with Daniel Jones after next year. We don't know when he'll be back from the injury. We saw Daniel look pretty good last year. Things went awry quickly for a variety of reasons this year. Now he's hurt. We don't know if he'll even be back for September. So a lot of unanswered questions, guys, with the quarterbacks. And to think we know, who said once, you think you know but you really don't know, that's what we deal with with quarterbacks coming into the NFL. Nobody has the answers. And you might be right one year and off the, the next year. And if you're off the year, you got the pick. That's not the time to be off. So these evaluators better be on point when they have the chance to get that quarterback. Now we worry about, hey, I was right about this guy three years ago, and I was right about these guys four years. You better be right the year you had the daggone pick. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm right all the time. Doesn't matter when it happens,
2: Mel. I mean, I, clearly, I'm very comfortable with that. Last these are, one. These are facts. Yes. Last one. Though we got 30 seconds, Mel. Give me the guy right now that you love that not a lot of people are talking about that people can pay attention to, uh, the rest of the season in college football. Who you know outside of the the big quarterbacks that we hear. Just in general, the player. Right now, who you think is really has a chance to be a big factor in the? Draft. I'm
5: watching a kid, Leon Johnson the third, at Oklahoma State. Yes. People don't know about this kid. He, he played at George Fox University. Okay, and they got him in the port. They brings the, bring the Oklahoma State. He was going to be red shirt. He has come on in the last couple of games. He's played well for the Cowboys. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He's the unknown that's going to be in this draft process that people weren't even having on their lists. That they better get Leon Johnson the third on their list fast and get him on there and study him because he is going to hopefully finish out the season strong. He had, like you say, two really good games back-to-back.
2: Mel, love it. Get yourself some pumpkin pie for pizza. Yes, fat-free whipped cream, Mel.
5: I'm waiting for Saturday morning for that, Joe. Yeah. By the With way, Fortin had ball, no idea. Jones, and Mel.
2: Yes, ben, sir. Uh, had no idea. Mel, huge candle guy. We were <sighs> having a whole discussion during the I've got my,
5: my pumpkin
2: apple ready to go out here. Look at that. It's, it's tremendous. It sets the tone. It does for the day. Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN draft analyst. Darian Mel, Saturdays on ESPN Radio. Oh, and the first draft podcast. Mel, great stuff. Thank you.
5: Oh, We're second best now to you guys. So. <laughs> hey, take
2: care, guys. Let me tell you something. The idea that um, we're looking at uh, guys like C.J. Stroud, guys like Bryce Young right now, and Mel's right. We joke about it. To me, it's 100% accurate that you have to give it some time here. I know how it's going to play out. But ultimately, I think we just all know I'm going to be right. So it's okay to be ahead of the curve.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.